Today is Tuesday, May 16th, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis goes after DEI in schools. We'll have that top story and more in today's podcast. We're bringing you news from a Christian perspective. Join us every weekday morning at 7 a.m. We're here. We're up. Come on, let's get through the news of the cray together. Don't go. Don't try to go at it alone. It'll it'll be depressing. It'll be depressing. We'll give you a Christian perspective on there. There's always hope with a Christian perspective. So we'll lift you up a little bit with that. And joining me as always to get through it, Trey Gomes Phillips, Billy Hallowell on this Tuesday. What's up, fellas? What's going on? Uh, I'm living the dream. All right. Good to hear it. Yeah, always living the dream. Yep. Yeah. It's uh, what? Mini Monday. Yes. Mini Monday. I, let's I almost, do it. almost forgot what it was called. Yeah. Oh, you always forget what it's called, but we got it. I know. We got it. I know. This is why we yeah, need the lugs. Monday, that's the name. Yes. We've got a lot coming up on the podcast, as always, a packed episode for you. Uh, what do we have coming up on the Focus Story, fellas? We're going to talk about a Christian publishing company that's actually doing what they can to distribute Bibles around the world. Uh, it's a pretty cool story, what they're doing. Yeah. Looking forward to the details on that. And Billy, you talked to uh, Bob Perrin. What's going on there? Yeah, so that that is a bizarre story. Basically, a satanic ritual. Uh, they, they believe they were the the recipients of a satanic ritual attack outside of their pro life pregnancy center in Florida. So we'll get into that. Everything's fine, ladies and gentlemen. Just nothing to see here in America. Just satanic ritual attacks outside of pregnancy <laughs> clinics. I mean, insanity, <laughs> insanity. But uh, we'll get the details on that. And more, but first, we're going to get through the news here in 90 seconds. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis yesterday signed legislation to defund DEI programs at all state universities. He called them a distraction from the core mission. He said this is better viewed as standing for discrimination, exclusion, and indoctrination. He said in a jab at DEI, and he said it had no place in public institutions for us with our tax dollars we want to focus on the classical mission of what a university is supposed to be three years after government restrictions in response to COVID-19 forced many churches to close and offer only online a new report showing that the state of in-person attendance is going up although still a sizable number of churchgoers want to have the virtual option And Riley Gaines is standing her ground in the fight to keep female sports female. She spoke with CBN News' Wendy Griffith in an extensive interview, and she talked about the Bible verse that keeps her going when times get tough. Those are just some of today's top headlines, and you can check out those stories and more over at CBNNews.com. Guys, one of the reasons why just it's great to be following CBN News and for us being a part of it is I hadn't heard that about Riley Gaines uh, from any of these, uh, she's been doing interviews. I've seen her out and about. Haven't heard her talk about her faith. Wendy had a great interview with her. You can see that full interview on the CBN News YouTube channel. But Riley talks about her faith and leaned into a verse in Romans that she leans on to help her be bold in the midst of all the craziness that's going on. So it's really cool. It is. Yeah. And and to your point, I mean, how could you have a story like that and not hear something that integral and important to the story, the motivation for why somebody is willing to speak up, right? It's kind of crazy that these big faith issues are overlooked. And I love being at a place where we get to talk about that. 
Yeah, no, I think the the faith aspect is is so important, obviously to us as believers, but it's important regardless, right? Because that's where the that's where the the foundation of truth comes from is Scripture, uh, and to know that's where she's finding it and what God's Word says, I think, is encouraging. But also, it's just stunning that this is something that someone has to talk to someone in the news yeah. about, right? I mean, it's like it's just the irony is just it can't be overstated. It's mind boggling to me the feminist movement of the '60s, '70s. Gloria Steinem, all these like burn the bras and destroy the patriarchy uh, type philosophy. They rolled out the red carpet so that men could uh, take their place yet again. I just think, uh, wow, like you've completely handed over your supposed success uh, to biological males who call themselves women. Yeah. And moving over to the other story that I mentioned in there, what's your guys' reaction to this report about numbers are going up in person, but there's still a lot of people who want to embrace the virtual option. I mean, is it not time for us to say, hey, we need to get back to getting to in-person church? I didn't realize there was still a big contingent of people that are not going. Well, I think, too, because you have that that complexity of before COVID, a lot of churches offered their services online, right? You could watch them. So there were people already doing that for different reasons, right? Not because they were social distancing. Um, and so I, it's weird because churches want to continue offering that. It's it's an outreach, right? There are people, my own church, people in other countries are watching half the time, right? So you're doing this sort of missional outreach, but the reasons for it shifted with COVID. And so it's, it's super complicated. But yeah, I don't know why people don't want to be back in community at this point. If you can go to a Walmart, right? I'm pretty sure you can go to church. Yeah. Well, I think some of it, obviously, I'm glad that those options are there for people who are shut-ins or if they're they're disabled and they're not able to get out of their house for whatever reason. I think that's that's great. But then I also worry about the people who maybe are in other communities, like I live in Virginia, and what if I'm watching a church in Texas? Now I'm thinking that I'm getting church community, but it's yeah. keeping me from actually going out and belonging to a community where I'm actually held accountable. I think the unfortunate reality is, is even if it's on a subconscious level, people like the idea of I can open up my laptop or turn on my TV, watch the service, close it, don't have to think about it again for the rest of the week. Whereas if you're plugged in and involved in a church community where you live, you've got people ideally who are messaging you, asking you why you weren't there when you did show up on Wednesday night or Sunday morning. So there's a layer of accountability that's really integral to the Christian walk that you're missing when you're just doing it virtually. And like you said, I, I hope that people are the the virtual option at my church that it's mostly used when like you're sick or something like that you know or you're traveling maybe with your family or whatever the case might be where you just can't be there for a particular week i don't see anything wrong with that but yeah if you're using it as a crutch to not go in or particularly if you're afraid and you don't have like a really actual legitimate health reason to not be in there it's something that i think you need to be praying about because you like trey was saying you need to be in that community and you need to have people holding you accountable because it's a different level of your walk with Christ when you're actually in a community of believers that you cannot replicate online. You just can't do it. So definitely something that uh, I, I didn't really realize until I saw this was still a thing, but I guess it is. So something we should be praying for absolutely as we go forward that more and more churches continue to get the saints back in person. So, all right, we're going to head to the focus story now. Christian publisher Crossway just launched part two of its initiative to distribute Bibles globally. So where, where are they focusing here? 
Yeah, so this is actually a really interesting story. I didn't realize that they were partway through this initiative. So Crossway is based in Wheaton, Illinois. Uh, they're a publishing house, uh, but they actually call themselves a publishing ministry. And part of that is not just because they're one of the largest distributors of Bibles here in the United States. ESV is the uh, the, the translation that they most popularly distribute, uh, but also because they give away thousands upon thousands, if not millions, uh, of Bibles around the world, particularly with this uh, latest initiative uh, that they're they're pushing actually in the global south, and it's mostly focused right now uh, in Africa. So in December, they finished phase one They with the goal of raising $500,000. They surpassed that uh, and are now uh, distributing tens of thousands, are in the process of distributing tens of thousands of Bibles through sub-Saharan Africa. Uh, the second part just launched for another $500,000 to do the exact same thing in other parts of sub-Saharan Africa. So uh, it's already underway and they're expanding it, which is is really cool because I I just didn't know uh, that there was such a strong ministry arm to this publishing house. Yeah, indeed, indeed. And it's always great to see when Bibles are spreading in any context, but particularly this one, it's a good update. What are they, who are they partnering with and what have they raised so far? Yeah, so they're partnering with uh, with several different organizations, some that they've listed, others that they haven't. The Rafiki Foundation is actually a faith-based organization that works in Africa to connect uh, believers to one another to get them the resources that they uh, that they need. Uh, this is actually a statement from Karen Elliott. She's the executive director of the foundation. She said, if we care about the future of the church and the future of the church is in Africa because the next generation of the church is going to be there, then we ought to be helping them by providing Bibles, study Bibles, and sound doctrine. We should flood the continent with God's word. Uh, so they're also partnering with the Awana organization, which is anybody who's familiar with that parachurch organization here in the United States. So they've got partners in the West, partners in Africa, uh, internationally and domestically uh, that they're working with to distribute these Bibles. And like I said, they've raised well over half a million dollars and they're on track to reach this other goal. The, the end date for this campaign right now. Of course, they'll continue to raise money after, but they're hoping to reach the $500,000 mark uh, by June 30th. Uh, and then, of course, wanting to surpass that. And the their goal right now, the push right now, is actually to get 100,000 Bibles to children in particular uh, who might not otherwise have access to Scripture. Hmm. And why Africa? I mean, there's a lot of places in the world and differing needs in different areas, a lot of need in a lot of different areas. Um, Why Africa? What's the situation like there for Christians these days? Yeah, you know, there's actually a lot of truth uh, to the statement I read a few minutes ago from Karen Elliott, the uh, executive director of the Rafiki Foundation, that Africa is, in in some ways, uh, the center of the Christian movement, at least the way that it's growing. So according to data from the Pew Research Center, uh, Christianity is spreading really, really quickly in sub-Saharan Africa in particular. Uh, As of 2018, more than 75% of every country surveyed on the continent of Africa described faith as very important to them. Uh, Also at that same time, Pew analyzed 84 countries with large Christian populations. 35 of those countries 
uh, were from actually uh, either, well, actually, so all but three of them uh, were from Latin America or Sub-Saharan Africa. The only three outliers uh, were the United States, the Philippines, and Malaysia. So there's a lot of Christian growth uh, in Africa. And then as of 2020, uh, Statista, it's a, that's a surveying uh, organization that gathers data. Uh, there are some 650 million Christians in Africa, and that number they're forecasting will surpass 1 billion uh, by 2050. Uh, as far as concerns for Christians, uh, in North Africa in particular, is, Islam is overwhelmingly prevalent. More than 90% of the populations of Algeria, Morocco, Tunisia, and Libya adhere to the Muslim faith. Uh, and there's also, as we've reported, George Thomas, our CBN news reporter, has covered this a whole lot, uh, that Christians are facing increasing persecution uh, in Africa that's not going away, partly because of uh, the radical Islam that's also spreading in parts of Africa. As Sub-Saharan Africa is becoming more Christian, North Africa and the Horn of Africa are actually becoming uh, increasingly Islamic. Uh, so five of the top 10 countries where Christians face violent persecution, according to Open Doors US, are actually in Africa. So there's a lot of uncertainty in Africa, even as Christianity is spreading there. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the persecution there, again, it's one of those areas it's hard to fathom for us here in America. But um, always, it seems, when there is a high level of persecution, it seems like the gospel just finds a way to yeah. advance in those circumstances. Yeah, yeah, it does. It does. I mean, I, you know, when you look at this, it requires that missionaries and missional organizations really rethink, and that's what, what you're covering here, Trey, is how this is done, right? You know, when you're looking at demographic changes in Europe and America look one way and Africa looks another, how you do outreach really matters. So I love seeing that this is happening this way. Well, I just want to add to quickly another cool thing about Crossway is they're kind of like a, their model is similar in some ways to like the Tom's model. If y'all remember when they first kind of blew up the shoe brand where they, you buy a shoe and they give a give yeah. a pair of shoes away to somebody in need. Uh, so in addition to these initiatives that are just focused exclusively on raising money to give Bibles away, also if you buy content of books or, or Bibles made by Crossway, a portion of that money actually goes back into giving Bibles away both domestically and internationally to people who can't otherwise afford them or can't otherwise get access to them. So there's a lot of great work that they're doing right now. Great, great stuff. Always here. Good to hear a positive update in the midst of some chaos there with the Bible, the gospel advancing in different parts of the world. So appreciate you bringing us that update. Trey, we are going to head over now to the main thing. And Bob Perrin, the executive director of the JMJ Pregnancy Center in Orlando, Florida, he says he was the victim of what could be described as a satanic ritual attack. This was after staff reportedly discovered three decapitated animals, including a small lamb, outside the clinic. Billy sat down with Perrin to share and discuss this bizarre story. That's today's main thing. So you're in Orlando and your pregnancy center experienced, I don't even know how to refer to it. I would I would call it an attack of sorts. You discovered three uh, animals in front of your building. Can you take us through on Wednesday what it was your staff found? Yeah, so I would call it some kind of ritualistic attack. It was pretty obvious. 
um, one of my employees was leaving work for the day and came back in and said, hey, there's three dead animals out in front of our center. And my my first reaction was like, uh, no, quit messing around. What are you talking about? So I went out there and looked at it. Literally, when I first saw it, it was like it was hard to even make it make sense that somebody would do this. But there was a huge chicken with its head cut off. There was another huge bird with its head cut off. And then um, a baby lamb um, that had been decapitated. And um, so we realized right away this was not like normal. We we are in a pretty poor area, so sometimes you get weird things that happen, but nothing like this. Um, this was obviously intentional. So, um, And different animals. I mean, a lamb, a lamb is a very specific animal. And I've seen yeah. the photos of, I have seen these photos and it's alarming and jarring. What was the first thing, once you realized it wasn't normal, what went through your head and your heart in those moments? Well, we are a Catholic Christian um, pregnancy center. I'll tell you, when I saw that lamb, the first thing I thought was, oh my gosh, lamb of God, right? right. Um, and um, obviously somebody, that was very intentional and purposeful. Um, we thought that maybe it was some kind of ritual thing. So we called the sheriff and the sheriff, it was a connection we had right after Roe v. Wade was overturned. Um, Orange County Sheriff's Department had a task force and somebody that came to us and said, if you have anything weird, call us. So I did. And he explained that it was probably in, we were in the jurisdiction of Orlando police. So I called, uh, he told me to call 911. And so um, I did. And two and a half hours later, uh, Orlando police showed up and they really, I don't think, got the gravity of the situation, but we did the report. And um, that was on Wednesday at like 6 p.m. And they called in the um, report to the animal control. And surprisingly, animal control didn't show up until today, Friday, um, at like 1130 in the morning to come get these animals. It was these animals were sitting there for two days, two days. Yeah. So that we, we ended up closing today because it smelled so bad. We didn't want to, I mean, our moms are going through enough, right? They're already in crisis mode and they did not need that. And neither did our staff. So we closed for the day. You know, so this happened, it was discovered on Wednesday afternoon is the assumption that at some point during the day, somebody came and dumped them. I mean, in broad daylight, yeah, that's what we're thinking, um, because our nurse manager parks her truck there, and there is no way you could have pulled in and not seen those. So um, they had to have been put there after she had arrived, is my guess. But it's just a guess. Um, now, we didn't in the morning. So, so wow. So they, they took all that time to get there. Were the police, I mean, their reaction, and you said they didn't really maybe get the gravity of the situation, Is are they looking at this as an illegal act? Are they investigating this as an act of aggression of some sort? You know, I'm just curious if, if they didn't purportedly get the gravity of it, what does that mean for how they will investigate it then? Well, I'm not exactly sure. We We also reached out to the FBI because we were given a – um, number to call there. And we've heard nothing from the FBI either. Um, I mean, I don't know. It's like 
there's part of me that thinks, have you been under a rock? Are you not aware that pregnancy centers right. all over the country have been attacked? And all of a sudden, three decapitated animals, one of them being a lamb, um, is slaughtered. And nobody's coming around saying, well, I wonder what's going on here. So... Well, yeah, especially with the FBI has been under fire, right? <laughs> Over the since Roe v. Wade was overturned, with right. the handling and, and how these circumstances in these different situations have been handled, it would be better to go overboard than underboard at this point. It would assume it would seem. But so you contacted them Wednesday or Thursday, the FBI. We contacted them Wednesday at the same time. I mean, I had a two and a half hour wait for the police, so I used it wisely. I called them, filed the now, report. What leads you to believe that this could have been, um, you know, a satanic ritual attack? Because that is something that is definitely raising eyebrows in in this case. Well, I, I mean, I have no proof other than, um, you know, it was a lamb, which seems pretty focused on a Christian theme, and um, it was also presented to us by the sheriff's department um, that that was a real possibility. Um, it was some kind of ritual, possibly satanic. I don't want to, I, I can't attribute to whoever did this, what their motives were. All I know is three dead animals showed up in our, um, on our property. So. Which is not, which is not a normal occurrence. And as we, as we've established, and I think as most people know, um, did you also reach out to any faith leaders in light of that suggestion that it could have been um, some sort of religious ritual? We did. We we call ourselves a Catholic-based pregnancy center because most of our um, volunteers and donors are Catholic. Um, we we do this though. Our clients are across the board. Anything you can imagine. We don't do this because our clients are Catholic. We do it because we are, and this is an outpouring of our Catholic faith. Um, so I did reach out to our local diocese and asked if a priest could come and do a blessing. Um, at the at the location because um, this was obviously a violent act. Violence was done to these animals for sure. So, and did any has anybody come out yet for that? Have yeah, you had yeah. us? One of our local pastors come out, and um, I do know we have been assured of support by all denominations um, and priests and people that we and pastors that we're connected with that um, we're all on the same page on this pro-life and this is this is horrific and um, nobody's gonna say hey this was not a bad a big deal that is certainly a troubling story cbn news and faith while will keep you up to date you can head over to cbn news's youtube channel to watch the full conversation all right billy appreciate that conversation there i mean what a crazy what a crazy story. But again, this is why we call it the news of the cray. I mean, nothing surprises me at this point. I, just when you thought the bar was set at a certain level, it gets moved it yet again. Lower. Yeah, it goes yeah. incredibly low. Uh, yeah. Satanic time. ritual abuse was not on my bingo card no. for the, yeah. But it yeah. should have been. But <laughs> anyway, we, uh, we've got time for one last thing here, guys. So uh, where are we going to pick up? I think we should look at good old Matthew 28, 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And just that reminder to evangelize in light of, you know, the focus story, what Trey was talking about, um, this you know amazing outreach in Africa. But a reminder for each of us to be reaching out to those in our lives and our communities yeah. around us. Yeah, I mean, especially because we can get sidetracked 
sidetracked on so many other issues. Not that they're not important, but we can sometimes lose focus on the main goal, which is to be and make disciples of Christ. Yeah, I think it's so important. And it's not just, uh, it's not just share the gospel and leave, right? It's make disciples. Right. So do yeah. what we can to be involved in these people's lives and, and to really live life with other believers. Absolutely. Great spot to leave it there on the podcast today. As always, thanks so much for being here with us. We're getting through that news of the cray. Don't forget to head on over to cbnnews.com, faithwire.com for more. And bookmark those pages, guys. Don't let algorithms decide it for you. Just bookmark them and go through your bookmarks every day. It'll be great. So Lord willing, and that creek don't rise. We'll be back here tomorrow with more. God bless. See you then.